It's Sunday morning, and we are in a study on perfect. Now, I gave you, I gave everybody a paper on perfection. And when the Bible says, "Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect," it does not mean to be without sin. The word "perfect" is the word "telios," to e l e i o s. You have variations of that. You've got T-E-L-E-T-E-L-O-S, telos, and you have the word teleotes, T-E-L-E-I-O-T-E-S, and that teleotes means perfection. And teleos means mature, or to be a man, or full age. When the Bible says, that strong meat belongs to those that are full age. It is the word teleos. Teleotes. Teleo. It means to complete something. Even the word publican is a form of this. Publican is telenes. T-E-L-E-N-E-E-S. Telenes. Telenes means to complete the transaction and the last thing you do when you complete the transaction you add the tax and the and the the publicans were a go-between between Rome over here between Rome and Israel over here on the end of the Mediterranean and they were Hebrews Hebrews and they were finishing they were appointed by the roman government but what they did is they made themselves enemies of israel because they were adding excessive amounts and the roman government would say you can collect whatever you add on top of it they would add all that they could and they were oppressing the people here and that's why they hated publicans and publicans were classified with harlots and sinners and if you were a publican and you were really uh a scoundrel and uh, we know that Matthew was a publican and Zacchaeus was chief of the publicans so they weren't too respected but Matthew walked away from a successful uh, successful life when Jesus said follow me and when he said follow me he said the same thing to Philip and other apostles he would say Akulatheo A.K. O L O U T H E O. Akulatheo means to be in the same way with. And how many ways are there? There is a broad way that leads to destruction, and there is a narrow way that leads to eternal life narrow way that leads to life and when Jesus is talking about being in the same way with he's talking about the narrow way it's the same thing when John says to Gaius I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers be in health I've said this a thousand times but since we're talking about the narrow way 
Prosper is the word E-U-O-D-O-O. And euodao is a, is a, it's a formulation of these two words, you and hodos. And hodos is the Greek word way. And you means well. Means well, way. Well, the well way is the narrow way as opposed to the broad way. This is the perfection in our life. It is when we learn, it takes years to learn the narrow way. Narrow is the word T-H-L-I-B-O. Philebo, it means to be pressured on all sides. And we're pressured so we'll obey God. Now, obedience is everything in truth. Obedience is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to listen to the Word of God and do what He says. I gave you a paper there. It's talking about uh, fighting, strife, debate, intrigue. That's a very interesting word there. And anger. These are things that we're not supposed to be in our lives. When we're talking about conforming to the image of Christ, the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow. I keep saying this. That doesn't say for what God foreknew, but God did know what. The reason he knew what was because he had ordained all the what's. This right here is the word hous, H-O-U-S. There's no H's in the Greek. There's the breathing sound. It will look like this when you look it up. But it's hous. That's the diacritical mark. For whom he did foreknow, prognosco. Prognosco comes from the word pro, meaning before. And gnosko. Gnosko comes from the word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which is the word knowledge, knowledge. And gnosko means to know intimately the whom's that he knew. How do I know this is a whom? Because when you look it up in an analytical lexicon, it is masculine gender, singular. God had a certain number of people that were his, and it is the few. We said that straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find that. Few. Few is the word oligos. Oligos means a puny number will find this narrow way. Now, we've been talking about that narrow way is what God births you back here at your beginning. He births you. It has nothing to do with you. We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God's will. And that word will is the word thelema in John 1.13. T-H-E-L-E-M-A. That is the word will in John 1.13 will thelema means determination when you were born it was God that determined it you don't birth yourself you don't conceive yourself 
He birthed us by his will. But he didn't birth us just to sit around and do nothing and uh, look religious and be the way we are. He birthed us so that we could bring forth much fruit. The same thing he said to the apostles when he said, uh, he said to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in a belly, I knew thee and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. He said to the apostles, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you before the foundation of the world that you should go and bring forth much fruit. We have to go and bring forth much fruit. And what kind of fruit is that? Fruit of the Spirit. And that is our obedience. That is our obeying God. Our obedience. The Bible has much to say about obeying God. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again because it's very important. The uh, Baptists I was raised around, they'll quote Romans, they'll quote Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And they'll say, for by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is a pronoun, and it has to have an antecedent. It. The antecedent of it, antecedent, A-N-T-E-C-E-D-E-N-T. The antecedent is the noun or pronoun that this is referring back to. This is referring back to faith. Faith is the gift of God, but it's not like a present that's wrapped up with a bone and given to you. The word gift isn't what we think of as gift. It's the word doron, D-O-R-O-N, D-O-R-O-N. Doron means sacrifice. It's the same word that's used when you bring your gift to the altar. It's a sacrifice you bring to God. So faith is put in our hearts, and we keep saying this, faith in the Greek language, you have a noun and you have a verb form of the noun. Believe. I used to couldn't understand why is it we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved and faith is the, faith is the method of salvation. That's because they're the same word. One is the verb, shows the action, and I couldn't figure that out when I was young. My father would say, walk down the aisle and I accept Christ, which you can't do. Nobody can accept Christ. He has to accept us. He scourges every son he receiveth. That word receiveth, dekomai. Dekomai comes from the word dek. Dek is the word ten in the Greek. And a decade is ten years. Decalogue is the Ten Commandments. Decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says that God scourges every son that he accepts. He has to accept us, that he receives. And he says the natural man does not receive spiritual things. That word receive is the word decomai, both times. The natural man, the sukikos man, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. You might say the physical man, because that's the same thing as our word physical. The man of the senses that sees, tastes, touch, smell, hear. 
That man does not receive anything spiritual. You can't receive or accept Christ when you're dead in sin. It's always puzzling to me. How can you, when you're dead, accept anything? It's like going into a funeral home and you go in there and your mother's been in there a couple of days for viewing and uh, you go in and you walk up to the cast and you say, Mom, I know you hadn't eaten two days. I brought you a hamburger. Would you accept this and eat this, Mom? And she's laying there dead. You can no more accept Christ when you're dead in sin than she could accept that hamburger. You can't accept and receive anything when you're dead. If he doesn't put faith in our hearts and perfect us, he doesn't save us by his will so we can sit down and do nothing. He's done all of this to perfect us so that we can grow up and be men. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about women will grow up and be mature. We will be mature. At 79, I'm a lot more mature than I was even when we started this ministry. I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. I've learned we cannot get angry with one another. We can't get this, what this paper's about right here. Look here, down here, this word, makomai, it's the second word on here. The word make, make means to battle, means to battle, make. That's the top word on there. And he, uh, we're to avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions there in Titus 3.10, and strivings, makomai, make or makomai. They're, form, they're basically the same word. We get our word macho from that. Macho, let's be a man and fight one another. We're never to fight each other, not in our mind. Where the fight starts is in the mind. You know that, don't you? You didn't know that, don't you? And it starts with one's pride that he's being done wrong. We are never to be fighting each other in the church, ever, never. Well, I thought the Bible says to be angry. It says to be angry in Ephesians 4.26, orgizomai, and that's on this paper, orgizomai. Now, that's a masculine gender. But what we get involved in is our orge. Orge is like so in the Greek, O-R-G-A-D-A. Anything that ends with an A-D-A, or an Ada new, anything that ends with that Ada is feminine gender. And the reason the Orge is feminine gender, because Babylon was the mother of all harlots, Revelation 17 and 5. She is, Babylon is a she, mother, and she was founded over here in Genesis 11 and 4. Genesis 11 and 4 where they said, let us build us a city and a tower, and this is what everything that's evil was founded on, all harlotry. Battle is the mother of harlots, P-O-R-N-E-I-A, or porne, 
and that doesn't we get the word pornography from that graphe means writing it means idolatrous writing and idolatry this word means idolatry idolatry is the word e-i-d-o-l-o-l-a-t-r-e-i-a that's the word idolatry it is comes from the word ido meaning to see or perceive and latruo meaning to serve it means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears what would that be above everything the first thing you see in the morning when you go to the mirror it's you self that's the idol that we serve in america i love the the verse covetousness is idolatry covetous p-l-e-o-n-e-k-t-e-s means to want more any way you can get it to be devious or whatever you have to do to get more and that's what causes all of our orge that's what causes us to mock and get angry because we want our way over little bitty things do you ever get angry over little things or would you like to lie that's everybody isn't it I've had to get old to get over that. I mean, in the last 15 years, I've changed so much. I don't ever believe in fighting anybody over anything, and I'll never do it again by the grace of God. Never. You can kiss me what you want to. You're wasting your time. I am involved. I did a series on resting in the Sabbath, and the Bible says that Israel, when they were in the wilderness, could not enter into God's rest. The word rest is katapasis. And the reason men won't enter into resting is because of one thing. Unbelief. The word unbelief is the word A-P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis is the word faith. The alpha privity placed in front of a word negates the word, gives an opposite meaning. Opistis means not believing God. You say, Jim, but I thought I believed God. Do you believe in enough? Do you really believe God's doing everything? Do you really believe God's working all things after the counsel of his own will, including somebody doing you wrong? Do you not know you're supposed to love your neighbor? Do you know what that means? You remember? There's two words for love. Phileo. And agape. Phileo means to like. I've said that before so many times. Have affection for. You can like anything. I like God. I like my dog. I like my house. I like my car. I like to go swimming. I like to fish. I like anything. You can even like booze and drugs. I like that. You can like anything. Agape is not liking something. Agape was a relationship. You have the verb and the noun form. Anytime it's a verb, it's agapeo, A-G-A-P-E-O, 
That's the verb. Agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects. For the subjects. Fathers had for their families. They gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. If you love your neighbor, you will walk in the laws of God when you're around your neighbor. But what are the laws of God? Well, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, is that all there is to the laws? No. That's, you have to have the laws written on fleshy tables of your heart, and only God can write that. Everywhere you have an imperative mood, an imperative is a command. Now you say, Jim, does that include when the Pharisees use an imperative mood? No. I've got a list of the imperative moods up here. Probably laid it down over there. And there's about 1,800 imperative moods in the New Testament, a little over 1,800. When the Pharisees are using an imperative mood, it means nothing. But when Jesus uses imperative mood, it is a command from the living God. Is that a choice that you can do? Nope. When the Bible says the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Hearing. The word hear, this is interesting. The word hear in the Hebrew is the word shama. The word obey in the Hebrew is the word shama. The word hearken in the Hebrew is the word shama. Now, do we have to obey God? Oh, absolutely. How long does it take God to get rid of the rebellious part of us? It took God over 60 years in my life to get rid of the rebellious Jim Brown. Now, if you've gotten rid of him by 40 years old, you did better than me. I couldn't do that. I was trying real hard. What you have to do is learn to treat people. Do you know that that the golden root is in the Bible? You do know that, don't you? In Luke, the sixth chapter. Oops, I had it turned right here. Luke 6. Luke 6. Oh, that's 5. I won't find it there. All right. Luke 6, and as you would, verse 31, as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise, except do it first. No, no, you don't do to people like they do to you. You do unto them what you would have them do to you even though they don't. And if they're a little nasty and a little sarcastic, if you're a better Christian or more mature than they are, you're supposed to be patient and meek, kind and gentle. That's what we're supposed to be. Did y'all know that? I don't think some Christians know that. We lose it. Do we lose it sometimes? Yep. You ever lose it? Well, stop that. <laughs> It's tough, isn't it? It's hard to learn how to.
to live. And the word in the word in the in the in the Greek for here is the word a k o u o. This is the word here in the Greek. The word obey in the Greek is the word hoop a k o u o. Anytime you see hoop or hoopo, that means under. That means sub or under. And this means to hear, obey means to hear under or be subordinate. So that's obedience, isn't it? Sub O R D I N A T E. Now, are we supposed to ever be angry? One time. That's all. You're never to be angry at each other as believers. Well, y'all, they got a peculiar way about them, but so do you. We all got some peculiarities about ourselves, don't we? You're not supposed to give them a hard time just because you don't like something they're doing, how they chew their food, or every once in a while they'll sneeze or do something crazy that you think is just a waste of your time. Well, get rid of your anger. We're not to be having that in our lives. Look over here. Look, there's one time you're supposed to be angry. Look over here in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. One time. Boy, if we can get over. You know, this all goes back to that orge. Orge. That is. It's usually translated wrath. And the Bible says it's actually the fury and rage that you have when you're covetous and you think you have a right to your way and nobody else has a right to what they're doing to you and they irritate you when they say this or when they do that. And to get over that, that's nothing like Christ. Because whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, prohorizo. Prohorizo is the word predestinate. To be for horizo. Horizo is our word horizon. There's that breathing sound there, that dear critical mark. It's our word horizon. It means before determined for the light that we would be conformed. Sumorphos. Conformed to Christ's likeness. Is everybody here conforming? I'll get it right in a minute. Is everybody conforming? Uh, you're trying. <laughs> Judy says, down here on the front row, oh, me. She said, oh, I'm trying. I have such a hard time. Well, why don't you arrest every admitted too with Judy? Just get in one big pile and say, we're trying. <laughs> Sumorphos means to be shaped. There's two M's, pardon me. S-U-M-M-O-R, S-U-M-M-O-R-P-H-O-S. It means to be shaped. Sum. Sum is a prefix on a word. It comes in many forms. Sum is also the word su. Sug. 
soon. They all have basically the same meanings. Instead of putting on the front of a word, koinonia, which is the word fellowship, it's the word fellowship or to partake with. Fellowship or be a partaker. What will shape you into the likeness of Jesus, icon, E-I-K-O-N. Icon means the likeness. What was Jesus like when you lose your temper and you get angry? Is that like Christ? And you unnecessarily just lose it because you feel bad and you don't want to put a check on yourself. Does anybody do that? I did that for years. I have come to a place I just forbid myself to get upset and lose it because I want to rest you can rest in the fact that God's doing everything isn't he he works all things after the counts of his own will do you believe that you can rest the reason they couldn't enter into God's rest and God killed everybody from 20 years old and upward at Kadesh Barnea God killed everybody from 20 years. That was draft age in Israel. And when they went up there, went up here, they're out here in the desert, coming out of Egypt. They go up to Kadesh Barnea. Boy, that's a little bitty map, isn't it? Go to Kadesh Barnea. God tells them to go in to conquer the land, and they send all their, they send all, here they are, somewhere in Kadesh. See Kadesh there? They were encamped there. They'd come from Mount Sinai, come up to Kadesh. God told the men to go in and spy the land out. And so they had all of these soldiers going in there. And they went in. They come back out and said, those guys are too big. They're giants. We can't fight them. We can't conquer them. God says, I put you in that land for 40 days. What I'm going to do is take 40 years in the wilderness a day for a year, a year for a day, I'm going to kill everybody that wouldn't go. And that was everybody from 20 years old and upward. So by the time they get to the promised land, everybody is usually 68, 69. That's the oldest people in Israel. Because everybody at 20 years old and upward, everybody except Caleb and Joshua. Because they're the two that said, we'll go in and take that mountain of the Anakims. That's belief. And when you believe God, you don't worry about the, the, you don't worry about the response. You just do what God says. If we would learn to do that, our problem is our orgay. We want to get people back, don't we? Well, you can't do that. So we predestine to be shaped. Morphe comes from M. Morphos comes from M O R P H E. Morphe. That reminds me of the tenth grade in Beaumont, Texas, in 1953. <laughs> Why? Well, because Mr. Silverberg, I didn't know he was a Jew, had to grow older to find out Bergs were all Jews, you know. And he was my biology teacher, and he taught me about metamorphosis. Believe it or not, metamorphosis is basically the same word. 
1953. Meta is a synonym for sum. The only difference between the two, this one means with, and this sum means to be blended with, be locked in together. And the only way you will be shaped into the likeness of Jesus, locked in fellowship with God's people, you will not ever get there. Fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. You wonder, why is my life a waste? And why am I not getting anywhere? And why am I not doing better? Takes years. Takes years of listening and being in the right fellowship. The best thing Judy can do is keep coming and play the piano. And then finally, one day she'll say, I give up. And that's what you do. You, you finally come to a place saying, I give up, Lord. I want to rest in what you're doing. You see, the spiritual Sabbath, the word is katapasis. Katapasis. That is equated with the Sabbath The Sabbath in Hebrews 4. And the Bible says they could not enter into settling down. Pausis is our word pause. And kata means down. They couldn't settle down because they were arguing with God in the wilderness. God says, I'll kill everybody that's in your way and in my way. So he did. When you get to the book of Deuteronomy, all unbelief has been wiped out of Israel. God's killed everybody that murmured against him when they got to Kadesh Barnea. He killed them all. You want to read about the spiritual Sabbath? I've got a series on the spiritual Sabbath. Sabbath is not Saturday. It's not even Sunday. Why did they they worship God on Sunday? Because he arose from the dead. That's called the Lord's Day. He rose from the dead on the first day of the week. That's why they called it that. Nobody, they try to give the Roman Catholic Church, uh, Ellen White tried to put it on the Roman Catholic Church that they changed, that a pope changed, uh, changed, the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. That's not true. You can't even find that in records anywhere. She just made that up like she made up the rest of her religion. So the Sabbath is every day now. Every day. Just watch my, go online and look at my Sabbath series, Spiritual Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. It doesn't mean seventh. I don't know what people are going to do with the fact that every Passover was a Sabbath the first day of unleavened bread was a Sabbath. The last day of unleavened bread for seven days was a Sabbath. The day of atonement was a Sabbath, but they all didn't come on Saturday. If you're going to do one of them, and besides that, at the Sabbath was a day that you had to go home, sit down, don't go anywhere, don't go out of your house, don't move, don't go to church. You couldn't light any fires. You couldn't drive a car somewhere. You couldn't ride a mule anywhere. This thing of traveling somewhere on the Sabbath day is a bunch of made-up stories by these modern people. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't have any entertainment. Couldn't pick up anything. Could not light a fire. How can you be going to? How can you be going to some restaurant on the Saturday to get somebody to cook for you? 
That's not true. The Sabbath is daily. We enter in by believing God is doing everything, including the evil in your life that you think is evil, but it's for your good. And we know that all these things work together for good, which causes the groaning in our life. We preached on that. So what conforms us to the likeness of Christ is being glued together. You can say that for soon. The word koinonia means fellowship. But this word soon means to lock in together. So the only way you can get yourself right is to be locked in fellowship with fellow believers and learn to clean up your life and address everything in your life. Every time you lose your temper, can you address that? That's pretty hard, isn't it? Every time you get upset and want to yell at each other and want to, you don't like you know, somebody did you wrong or they got your place or, or they were... They don't like you don't like it because they got the promotion and you didn't. They got the raise and you didn't. That was ordained by God to be that way. If you expect to be a Christian, you're gonna to have to expect everything that comes along that looks negative to be the will of God in your life. And you can rest in that. The Bible says he's declared the end from the beginning. Let's just say we're right here. And we're gonna quote that to you. Isaiah 46.10, 46.10. God has declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times, everything that's not yet done in your life. A ticket, God declares that. I keep saying this. God's, God's going to have a cop stop you and take up 10 minutes of your time so that every step of your life will be different. If you get stopped and get a ticket, every step will be different. You'll get home at a different time. You'll probably go to the bathroom instead of the kitchen, get some something to eat. Everything, I've said this before, sometimes I'll, I put a shirt on on Sunday morning. And I say, this don't feel good. It don't feel right. And I'll go in my bedroom and pull out another shirt. The fact that I go in there and pull out another shirt means I'm going to get in the car at a different time. I'm going to arrive here at a different time. And somewhere down the road, two or three years from now, something's going to happen. We're going to say, that's the will of God. Not without me changing that shirt. Not without that ticket. Everything is the will of God. We can rest in that. We're not supposed to get angry at people and telling them off, and you did this to me, you did that to me. Well, I, well, whenever I say this, a lot of people have got shovels out there in the congregation. They're saying, did you hear that? No. I'm not talking to that guy behind you. I'm talking to Fred. I'm talking to Dwayne. I'm talking to Connie. I'm talking to Teresa. And Teresa don't look like she's heard anything, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to Jesse. I need to buy, get me a shirt, say something on it. Say if you can read, if you're reading this, I'm talking to you. Because <laughs> most people think when the preacher's preaching something like this, let's shovel it over to the guy behind us. No, let it settle down right there, because it applies to all of us, doesn't it?
Now, we have to conform to Christ's likeness, but we'll only do it in fellowship. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What does that mean? The koinonia of his suffering. He says, the only way I can really grow is if I'm fellowshipping with people who are suffering for Christ, people who are in the narrow Thelebo way. Philebo is the same basic word as Thelipsis, which is the common word, tribulation. You've got to be in the tribulation way. If you go off somewhere to comfort yourself with some friends that, well, I just need some worldly friends to get a break. I had a guy come in here one time. He said, can we take a break on Friday night? I said, no. Can we take a break from the truth and go out and just have fun? I said, no, you can't do that. I don't want a break from the truth. The truth is the only thing that comforts me. Now, we're talking about obedience to God, obeying God. Do we have to obey him? I'm going to tell the story I've told a thousand times here. And I love the story because it happened to me. I was out at a bookstore out across town. And every time I go in there, those guys get nervous because <laughs> I talk loud to everybody. I don't chew anybody. I just say, well, predestination and God doesn't love everybody and Christmas is pagan. Don't y'all believe that? I'll say it anything to them. And they sell a lot of, a lot of reform books. And the guy that owns the store... I was talking to him one day, and he said, Jim, every time you come in here, you sound like you're talking legalism. You talk, sound like you're talking works for salvation. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do your children have to obey you in order to be in your family? And he cocked his head like, like, trick question i said this is not a trick question just answer me do your children have to obey you in order to be in your family he said well no i said that's a real good answer thank you i said do your children have to obey you and he went well yes i said why i said that's another good answer why do they have to obey you he said well, I'm their father. I said, oh, that's a great answer. You mean we have a heavenly father and we don't have to obey him when he says, quit, don't have any fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness to crucify the flesh, to take our cross and die daily? We don't have to obey that because those are all imperative commands. He said, well, I never heard it like that before. I said, you're hearing it today like that. And I never hear preachers talk about being obedient to God. Crucifying the flesh. I never hear preachers talk about you have to be hated by the world. Yet Jesus said, if the world hated me, it'll hate you. Does the world hate you for bringing up predestination? Does it hate you for saying, well, I found out some things about Christmas. I found out it's Christ's Mass. It's Roman Catholicism that it was against the law to celebrate it 300 years ago in America. Do you, do you stir up people against you? I have people... Every day that I was down here at the Mennonite market down here in City Square yesterday. And there's a boy, 20 years old, one of the Mennonites with his hat on, real friendly, 
cordial guy. And he said, and I got to talking to him. And he said, uh, somehow we got into what we believed. Yeah, got into the shirt. Uh, the shirt I had on that God does not love everybody. And he said, well, do you, well, I asked him, you know, what do the Mennonites believe? And he said, well, do you believe in killing people? I said, no. He said, you believe in going to war? I said, no. I said, Jesus said, if my kingdom were this world, then would my servants fight? I don't believe in fighting anybody, and I don't. I don't believe in America. I'm not patriotic. The word patriotic comes from patriot, which is the word father. God is our father. Jerusalem is our mother. There in Galatians, the fourth chapter. Paul said, what have I to do to judge those who are outside the church? And I told this boy, I said, I feel sorry for those boys that are over there overseas on the mission of America, which most of America's mission is not what people think it is. It's usually about money and power, just like everybody else. We're looking at America and talk about how we need to be patriotic. I don't even believe that. I've got several books on the history in America. And our founding fathers weren't Christian. George Washington wasn't a Christian. George Washington was a thief. What do you mean he's a thief? Well, he was. He stole 10,000 acres of Indian land because he could, because of something called the Doctrine of Discovery when Columbus was given this this edict to Ferdinand and Isabella by the, at that time, the Pope was the Spanish Pope, Alexander VI. It was one of the Borgias, a bunch of murderers. And he gave this, this edict of Doctrine of Discovery to white Caucasian Europeans. You had to be, to be a Catholic. You could come to America. And if these Native Americans, which were the American Indian at the time, if they wouldn't submit to your being there, then you could kill them. They didn't have souls. That's what they said. America was founded on racism. Did you know that? And that was before the black man was oppressed and taken slave. And they said the black man didn't have, that he didn't have uh, a soul. And that was before they stole Mexican land. On this move westward, and they tried to give this doctrine of discovery a respectful name and and they, when James Monroe was president, he said, we are going to go manifest destiny. That's the same thing as land grabbing. We took the land for what we want to do. What do we do, Jim? We live for the Lord is what we do. Can we, can we reconcile all the lies that our forefathers told? No. Even Francis Scott Key, who wrote the he wrote the, the uh, Star-Spangled Banner. He said America should lose this War of 1812. He said this is a, a wickedness because the only reason that the British attacked us because we were attacking ships that were supplying them with supplies is just a bunch of foolishness. Most of the things you've heard about America are not true. And I've told you a bunch of these things. If you want some really good information, get... Uh, Richard Shankman, historian, graduate of Harvard, brilliant man, wrote several books. I love Paul Revere, whether he wrote or not. He gives you in that book 
a whole bunch of things that didn't happen in early America that we were told did. Just, we have, we have been living in a lie. If you go out in public and you tell people that Christmas is pagan, tell them the truth about America. I've told this before, but I went into Texas A&M as a freshman in the fall of 1957, went into a history class, and the professor said, I am not allowed to tell you the truth about American history in 1957. Just give me the answers I give you back on a test. I about fell out of my chair. Is uh, is Dan here? In the back. Dan, uh, that's his blonde-headed little boy. Dan's got a degree in history. He told me one day, he said, I've heard a lot of these things that you say about American history. Hadn't heard all of them. You can learn this if you want to. We've been lied to about everything. We're lied to by the preachers telling you to accept Christ, which you can't do. The natural man does not accept spiritual things. Telling you to pray a sinner's prayer, which you can't do. When you're dead in sin, everybody wants to go to Romans ten thirteen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's true, but read the next verse. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You have to believe in God. If you believe Christ, that's a verb, then you will do what he says, won't you? You won't do it all of a sudden. It's like that sign over there, that plaque up there on the wall. Self will have to decrease and faith will increase in your life. And that will be the growing faith. And you will learn, if you belong to God, to quit fighting. You'll learn that. Fighting is our main problem. Look here at, in, on your paper here. 2 Timothy 2.24. Read that with me. 2 Timothy. Well, I didn't do the thing in Ephesians. I'll get back to that. 2 Timothy 2 Timothy 2 and verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not strive, must not makomai, must not be macho and fight with their mind, and so it'll come out your mouth. All the fights and arguments start up here in your head because you've got an imagination that somebody's trying to do you wrong. The only people we get mad at And he goes on to say, but be gentle unto all men, be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, be patient with people. We're supposed to put up with people, put up with people's idiosyncrasies, with their ways that irritate us, and we don't like what they're doing, don't like the way they're talking. And we like to imagine that they're trying to hurt us. And usually that's not true among the believers. The only time you get angry, and I said, started to say it earlier, is in Ephesians 4. Right here. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. The Bible's talking about men. Well, look in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. We're not supposed to be children. Remember we said the word teleos means to be a man. And to grow up and be of full age. If you're going to eat the deeper 
truths of God, you're going to have to grow up. Grown people don't go around picking at each other, trying to fight each other, trying to argue. Not if you're mature, you don't. If you're really going to grow up, the fighting has to stop. The arguing has to stop. The orgay definitely has to stop. That's being angry, and you're going to, I'll get them back. That's the orgay. Now he says here, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carry about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. Now when men are preaching the wind of doctrine, there it's by slight, cubia. Cubia, we get our word cube from that, or cube, and the the people, the writers say, this has to do, in definition, with switching dice and being tricky. That's what men are doing with their messages today. And this brings the church to a place, and with cunning craftiness, uh, panogia, P-N-O-U-R-G-I-A, P-A-N-O-U-R-G-I-A. Panogia means to talk by trickery, to be adroit, to trick men with your your wind of doctrine, like Kenneth Copeland, like Fred Price, like Billy Graham. Billy Graham preached Accept Christ and Sinner's Prayer for Salvation, and he never preached about being unpopular, did he? He never, I never heard Billy Graham preach about being unpopular. Did you? The Bible says, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Did everybody speak well of Billy Graham? The whole world loved him. O-U-A-I is the word woe. O-U-A-I. That's a, why? It's a cry of damnation. When the whole world loves you, you are in trouble with God. To be popular. Who's popular in the world? The big presidents, the uh, heads of companies, stars of all kinds, music stars, singing stars, movie stars. Being on top of the world, you're popular. I remember the Carpenters did a song, Top of the World. And they said that Richard Carpenter wrote that when they got on top of the world. But boy, they came crashing down when she died, didn't they? You think you're on top of the world. The people on top of the world are going to hell. Do you not know that? We're not supposed to be on top of the world. There's a favorite verse of mine concerning big, famous, important people. Look over there. I'll come back to this. I won't turn away from it. But look over there in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. I used to try to be rich and famous. I had a big singing tenor voice, and I was going to be somebody. God had to take that away from me to get my attention, and he did. Well, God, why I couldn't sing, couldn't, had bronchitis all the time. I thank God for that, because I wouldn't be up here if I'd have stayed in that. Look here in 1 Corinthians. I love this. I love this word here because this, if you're trying to be one of these people, you're looking for the wrong thing as a believer. Look here in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. Verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, 
how that not many wise men after the flesh, who would that be? Einstein, Stephen Hawking, died not believing in God, not believing in the resurrection. Stephen Hawking just died. Considered the most intelligent scientist in the world, the guy with the twisted body in the wheelchair. And he didn't believe God. He died and went to hell. You can believe that. Not many wise men after the flesh. Not many mighty men. Not many generals, commanders, presidents, kings. Not many of these kind of people. Not many noble are called of God. That word called kaleo. K-A-L-E-O. What it's saying is not many of these people are in the church. Ek, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A is the word church. Church. It means called, kaleo, out. We're called out of this world to live righteously and godly. I've never believed in that more than I believe in it now. I used to hear somebody talk the way I'm talking now. When I was 30, 35, I think, they're fanatics. They're crazy. Nobody can live that way. If you live long enough, you're going to find out you have to live that way. If you don't live that way, God's going to deal with you if you're his. And it will hurt bad. He scourges every one of his children. Scourge was a bloody whipping. It was with that mastix. I used to couldn't figure out how can the scourge... The Jews had a scourge. Jews had a scourge. And they just beat you with a cane pole. That's not what this word is. That the Lord scourges every son he receives. That word scourge is the word mastigao, M-A-S-T-I-G-O-O. Mastigao, the noun form mastix the mastix was a short whip with pieces of glass and bone tied into the into the thongs of this and God says I will beat my children with a bloody beating in order to cause you to partake of my holiness and that will be a lifetime and then he goes on to say here not many noble are called. Not many eugenes, E-U-G-E-N-E-S. We get the word Eugene from that, a man's name. It means well genes. Not many blue bloods are called by God. Most of the famous people on TV, the talking heads, running for office, presidents, and all this. They're going to hell. Did you know that? Because this says so right here. People have a hard time believing God. What do you mean not many people? I got a T-shirt that says, most people are going to hell when they die. A lady looked at it one day in the doctor's office. Most people are going to hell when they die. I said, you act like I said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life. And only few are going to find it. That's if God puts it in the heart. And then he says, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish 
the moros, the foolish things of the world. Moros, we get our word moron from that. It means an empty-headed simpleton. And we have to look like morons from the world's viewpoint. And the only thing that's going to make us look like morons is telling the truth to the world. I know that's hard. Does anybody have a hard time doing that? I know you do. Let me tell you how you get over it. Spend years digging into the truth. And before you know it, I got 10,000 Greek words. I don't have any Greek words I got in my head. I got so many of them, I'll just give them these Greek words and watch them freeze up, you know, go just get big eyed and I know what to do. I don't always do that. I try to stay simple with people when I'm talking to them. But if somebody wants to get smart aleck and cocky, I'll just pull out a bunch of these words and throw them there. Fill it. And it's kind of like the big trees toppling down, you know. So he says not many of these big important people are going to heaven. They're not called of God. But God hath chosen the foolish, the morons, things of the world, to confound the wise of this world. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God hath chosen base things. You remember up there, noble, Eugenes? God hath chosen the base things, agonies. Compare A G E. N-E-S. Eugenase is the word noble, means good genes, blue bloods, and this this word here means no. The alpha primitive negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. It means no good bloodlines, just nobodies. I feel like I'm a nobody. I don't I'm not important. I've never been to school for any of this. Never gone to seminary. I've spent more time studying than most preachers that's got doctor's degrees. People say, you can't learn all that by yourself. Yes, I can, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Anybody can do it if you want to buckle down and do it. Then he says, and base things of the world and things which are despised by the world, that's us, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not we don't matter. To bring to naught the things that are. That no flesh will glory in God's sight. You know what our problem is? We want to glory with our way, and that's where our or game moves in. And we don't like people that give us a hard time, so we get furious and in a rage. Does anybody have a problem with that? You ever get mad at your people in your family or your neighbor and I don't like it because there are trees hanging over our boundary line. Well, get over that. Somebody wants to, Mary's mother used to, uh, she lived in a house in Jolton, and she'd go out and move the stake down by the creek. It was right nearly in the creek, move it over about three or four feet, and the other lady next door, she'd come over and move it over. You can put a stake over to my yard if you'll mow it. Go ahead and put it over there. I don't care. 
it's just it, those are stupid things that Christians will do. Do you argue over nothing? Nothing. It doesn't matter. I hear people say things and I don't even comment. It may be wrong. Sometimes I wait till I get in the pulpit and I'll bring it out and I won't point at them. I'll just then I'll have some people come up and say, I didn't know that. I thought it was so and so. I said, Well, well, we learn, don't we? Now so no flesh is going to glory in God's sight. Look back over here at Ephesians. There's only one time you can get angry. These winds of doctrine that are preached by these preachers, you're not supposed to be angry with each other ever as believers. Yeah, but you don't know what they do that irritates me. And they're always telling me to do something that I want to do. Cooperate with people as much as you can and have peace with people as much as is possible, Paul told Timothy. Get along with them as much as you can. Bend. You know how to bend? Well, bend. Well, I just don't like to bend when somebody else is, I like my way. Well, you got a lot of orgay in you that God's got to beat you up about. I have found that wanting your way is a waste of time. If you can cooperate with somebody in their way, Sometimes things don't even matter that we fight about, does it? And here's what these winds of doctrine do. But speaking the truth in love, that doesn't mean speak the truth in niceness and like people and be sure and like them and give them their way and let them have their way. That's not what that means. Speaking the truth in agape while you are speaking truth, be walking the commandments of God because that's a God in that verse. And if all you can do is know the truth in your mind and not live it, you're conceited. That's what First Corinthians 8 and 1 says. I love that verse. I had a guy used to come here years ago, and he asked me one day, what does that mean, First Corinthians 8 and 1? Knowledge puffeth up. But charity edify like that. Knowledge. Just have the knowledge. I've had people say, you're puffed up, Jim Brown. Well, if I am, I'm really sorry. Okay. Knowledge puffeth up. Fusio. P-H-U-S-I-O-O. Fusio means to be conceited. means to be swelled up in yourself. But charity, agape, is what edifies the body of Christ. When you are involved in charity, which is agape, that remember, that's walking in the commandments of God. Let me put it this way. Knowledge does nothing but give you the big head. That's conceited. Big head. But agape, that's charity, edifies. Agape is walking the commandments of God. What do you have to do to walk in God's commandments? Well, first of all, you've got to have knowledge. And you can't have the knowledge of it unless you study it and you have to do it. See, just having knowledge without doing 
all you got's the big head. Having knowledge and doing it is what edifies the church. I've said this before. I used to look at the word edify when I was a young preacher. I need to get to some more important words. I love the word edify. I can preach all day long on edify. If you know what it means, you'll see it. Edify. O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E-O. Okodomea is the word edify. It's also the word build. And the word O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E, oikodome, is the word building. The Bible says we are God's building. And we have to build the house of God. Whose house are we? So you have to be walking the commandments of God. You can't just know it. You got to be doing it. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteousness is right. Well, in fact, that's what the word righteous means. D-K-I-O-S-U-N-E. D-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-E. That's the word righteousness. He that doeth, it is a form of the stem there, D-I-K-E, which is the word right. You want to know what righteousness means? Do right. Do you know what right is? People ask me, Jim, should I be doing this? I say, you probably wouldn't ask me if it was okay. Well, should I, do I need to, Quit. Uh, can I drink a little wine? Well, you can. You're capable of it. My sister asked, my brother-in-law asked me one time, he said, Jimmy, I really liked beer before I became a believer. He said, I like to drink it. Could I drink it? I said, well, can you drink it without my sister and my nieces ever smelling it on you? And will it never make you drunk? Can you drink it in a closet and never be affected by it? And nobody will ever look at you and say, Jay drinks. I can drink. Well, you will never affect anybody else. You see, we're supposed to abstain from appearances of evil, aren't we? We need to check ourselves, our lives, the way we live, our attitudes. I wish I could read through all of these things here in this mock oh my. I got to read something to you over here in... uh, Gosh, I got a bunch of words to read to you. Oh, me. Eris. There's two words in here. One is the word Eris. E-R-I-S. That's on page three. Eris. E-R-I-S. And Erethea. E-R-E-T-H-E-I-A. These words... Usually, uh, they're usually translated wrangling, contention, strife, even variance. That's one of the one of the works of the devil there in Galatians, the fifth chapter. Variance is the same word, eris, and what this means, if you'll notice. I've had people say, you need to get together and debate this guy. The Bible teaches against debating. I will tell you what the truth is. If you want to believe it, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. But in Romans one twenty nine, this is the word heiress. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. You're never supposed to be debating. You give somebody the truth, they'll either believe it or they won't, but make sure you know it when you give it to them. Then when you get over here to, you have the word heiress, you have this word uh, erethea. The word erethea means to be involved in in factions, factions. I've got this in here on the last page. Faction. This word erethizo and eris means a faction. When you look at the word faction, a faction is carrying on an illicit love affair, plot or scheme secretly are underhanded. We have a lot of this. We, from time to time, we'll have this in the church. Plotting to incite intrigue or curiosity, secret or underhanded, plotting, trick, to perplex, a faction working in a common cause against other groups or the main body. That's when people get over here and they'll start gossiping, Jim Brown this and Jim Brown that. And I don't like so-and-so in the church. And they do this and they breathe wrong. And I don't like the way they chew their food. Well, you got a problem. What we have to do is get over our, over our factions, over our being in the church and not liking what everybody does. You're not ever going to like what everybody does. We have to be obedient to God. Obedience is not going to church and walking down an aisle. That's not it. Everything that Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you need to be poor in spirit? Yeah. What is that? Poor. P-T-O-C-H-O-S. Tokas means to be emptied out of self. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was a term for Israel, and that's the church now. We have to be poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Are you meek? The opposite of meek would be the orge. Meek. Praus. P-R-A-U-S. Sometimes it will be translated gentle. Meek means tame. When you're gossiping and ripping people apart and you're not supposed to be doing that, you're not tame. Or when you're young, brand new in the faith, and you say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. <laughs> you're usually not. God's got to tame you down till he brings you to a place to say, I'm going to do what you want me to do, Lord. Help me. I told the story many times when I was in the hospital in my mid-40s. I was trying to get rich in real estate. I was really good at it. People could tell you. God says, you're not going to do that. He put me in the hospital, and I thought I was dying. Over and over again for several years. And God had to bring me to a place. Maybe you hadn't been here yet. He brought me to a place in the hospital 
had IVs in both arms. And I said, Lord, if I don't stop this, you're going to kill me. If I don't quit trying to be somebody, quit trying to get rich. If I don't stop trying to be special in the world. Have you ever noticed all the special people die? I had several people die this past week. Uh, Famous singers, famous actors and actresses. Everybody that was famous in the 60s when I was in my 20s, most of them are dead. Johnny Cash is dead. Marty Robbins is dead. The list goes on and on and on. What we're supposed to be doing is we're living for now. What can we do right now for Jesus? How can I stand? First of all, you've got to get a hold of this noggin of yours up here and say, stop thinking those things that you're thinking. Quit imagining things. Quit imagining being somebody. And while I was in the hospital, I said, Lord, I'm going to start telling all the people all the truth all the time. I'd been a I'd been a young evangelist traveling all over America before that. Nobody could even see what I'd gone through. But I wanted to be a famous preacher with lots of money so I could really glorify God. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? You can't glorify God with a lot of money cuz you're not going to want to glorify me, you want to glorify yourself. And I said, "Lord, I'm going to tell everybody the truth all the time. And I called Mary and told her to bring me my Bibles and bring a concordance and some some of my commentaries up to the church. She did, up to the hospital, she did. And I started preaching to everybody on that third floor of Hendersonville Hospital, just everybody. It took God. I got to a place where I was afraid of God. Has God scared you yet? As he puts you to a place where you just nearly died, take you to death's door and let you view the other side. I've been there several times. I'm not interested in being rich. I'm not interested in being famous. I'm interested in telling God's people the truth, and that's all. I want you to know what the truth is, and I want you to become wound up because I'm not going to be here much longer. When I say that, I'm not talking about feel sorry for me. When you're 79, you don't have long to live. Nobody does. I'm sorry, Dwayne, but you ain't got that long. (laughs) We don't have that long. I never, very seldom run across anybody that lives to be 90, 92, except for Milton in the church, the old fellow in the back. Nobody. I just don't know anybody that old. That means I'll probably be dead in 10 years. Am I, when I say that, am I saying that pitiful? No, I look forward to going. This body is wore out. I get, I'm tired of it. I want to go be with the Lord and get out of this place. Don't want to leave you here alone. Don't want to leave Mary, my wife, my grandkids. Don't want to leave them here without instruction. How much time do I have, Mike? Fifteen. I need to give you some things, some, some things about obedience to God. I gave this to you two weeks ago. I gave you this this morning about not striving and fighting. We're not supposed to be doing that. I don't care what your excuse is. If you feel bad, 
Tell you what you do. And you feel like losing it with somebody. Wait till tomorrow. Count to 10,000. Don't count to 10. Like the old saying goes, count to 10,000. When tomorrow gets here, you won't want to say the things that you're going to say today. We need to learn to live godly and holy and righteous. I wish I could go through all this and tell you all these things. Uh, how we, this is the way we live. We're not supposed to be involved in our gay. God hath not appointed us to wrath. I said it before. That's First Thessalonians 5 and 9. God has not appointed us. The word appointed is the word tithemai. T-I-T-H-E-M-I. God has, has leveled us. T-I-T-H-E-M-I. It's 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. 5 and 9. God not, hath not appointed, leveled us to, caused us to bow to wrath, and that word wrath is orge. I'm spelling the Greek word because that's feminine gender. He hasn't appointed us to this orge well, we'll get even with people and we'll imagine these things in our head. But he has appointed us to obtain salvation. Salvation. Salvation doesn't start in eternity. It's here right now. Because this word obtain is the word peri. P-O-I-E-S-I-S. Peripoesis. Peri is a common Greek word, means around. And poesis comes from the word poeo, meaning to do or to make. That is the word poeo. Now, the common word to do or to labor is not the word poeo. It's the word ergon. It means to toil. This word poeo means to make something beautiful or make it where it has some godly character to it. It has the idea of being a tapestry or a mosaic. It has color to it. It's constructed. And peri means to make around. That means to wrap around. We have been wrapped around with something. What are we wrapped around with? Huh? The blood of Christ, aren't we? When the Bible says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, baptized comes from bapto, baptizo, and bapto. Baptizo means to, to cover. It doesn't mean to dip or sprinkle. It means to cover something with a stain or with a dye. 
And a blood baptism in the first century was a martyrdom. It was to die. When there's one baptism in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, it's blood, not H2O. If there's one baptism, we don't believe in water baptism here because the word baptized originally was Jesus washed in water. Yes, he was. What was that? That was a proselyte baptism. That's a whole story in itself, isn't it? When Jesus says to James and John, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? He said that the night before he died, he's talking about his death on the cross. They said, yes, and he said, both of you will die the death. So to make a round is a blood baptism. That's what this is talking about. Peripoesis, there's only one thing that makes around us. That's what gives us salvation. That's death to self. We've been talking about that all the time here today. Self has to die. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Utterly contradicts self. If you if you deny A P A R N E O M A I. If you utterly, apo, or naomai, contradict, or naomai means to contradict, apo means utterly, complete removal of self. If you utterly contradict yourself, you'll deal with that anger and that orge. We've got to get over that. Do you know I've been the most guilty of the orge in my life? I used to want to argue about everything when I was... 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. This ministry has pulled me out of it. You know what preaching this to you has done in my life? It's corrected me. It's made me get over me. If this thing don't bounce around and hit me right in the face, I'm not doing any good to you. This message I preach here, Death to self, daily cross, self-denial, being like Christ, being predestinated. Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan, it's all the same thing. This has made me get over me. If I didn't preach this every day, I'd be off. If I didn't have you to fellowship with, you're so important to me. You're the one that keeps me on the track of what I'm supposed to be doing. If I didn't have the responsibility of you here, I could do what I wanted to do. You understand that? We should be accountable to one another. And we shouldn't be looking at each other saying, well, they do this and they do that, and I don't like that. Don't talk to me that way. A lot of times when somebody upsets me, if I get a little upset inside and they did something to me, I'll go to them and say, gosh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to upset you. I've done that to some of y'all here. And then... You might say, well, gosh, I don't know what's wrong with me. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Grievous words stirreth up anger. So, he says, God has appointed us to wrath, but he's appointed us to death to self, to a blood baptism. That's what he's appointed us to. To die to our own wishes and desires Put everybody else first and not you. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. If we're predestined to be like Jesus, we're supposed to think of others and not us first. And that includes whenever you get a little off kelter about what somebody said or did to you, it includes that. Put them first. Does it hurt to go apologize? Maybe you did something that you couldn't see. Maybe you presented yourself a different way than you should have. We're supposed to be this thing of predestination. Without the last part of that verse, it means nothing. To be conformed to his likeness. We're predestined, predetermined for the light. The ones that belong to him. So we can get over ourselves. But you know, most people are so much into themselves, they don't know they are. Until somebody tells them, and that's what that's the thing I got about this platform. I can tell you whatever I believe needs to be said. I'm about out of time. Take this paper home, read it. The Bible says that we have to be obedient unto God. Just reminds me some of Jeremiah's words, Jeremiah seven twenty two. This is on the obedient thing. For I spake unto your fathers, I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings of sacrifices. But this thing commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. That applies to us. We have to obey his voice. That's everything. That's all those imperative moods. Strive, agonize. Agonizomai, entering in the straight gate. Enter ye in. That is a imperative. Enter ye in at the straight, the stenos gate. It means to be pressured on all sides. You're not, God's not asking if you would enter. He has commanded you to E-I-S-E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I to enter in the straight stenos gate where you're pressured on all sides because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. It's a tribulation way. We have to go through tribulation. Some guy wrote me a goofy email saying, oh, you bunch of Calvinists going in your your uh, your tribulation and making fun because that's what we're required. Aren't we? Am I wrong on that? Or is God wrong? It's hard. Have you learned to check yourself? I've learned to check myself. Say, Lord, am I living the way I should? I didn't start checking myself till I passed 60. Lord, am I really witnessing to these people, right? Should I say this? Should I be hard? Should I be gentle? Should I be, I'll go into the store. I say, Lord, have I said everything I could say? Could I approach them different? Lord, let me not just offend just because they don't know the truth. Because some people don't know because they've never heard it before. And it sounds strange to them. That boy, that Amish boy yesterday, he looked at my shirt and he said, I don't understand that. He said, God doesn't love everybody. I stood there and explained it to him. I don't know if he understood it. I said, if I bring you a bunch of my tracks, would you read them? He said, yeah. So I'm going to take him a package with all of our tracks over there. I wrote all those tracks over a seven-year period. It's got a lot of Greek in it. 
I'm going to take them to him next Saturday. We have to live right, live godly. When I say godly, I'm talking about Eusebia. If I say righteousness, I'm talking about Dikaiosene. If I'm saying holy, I mean Hagios. If I say hallowed, I'm talking about Hagiazo, a form of holy. If we'll go back to the original language, we're going to find out we're messed up with the English Bible. We have to go. Well, half of the translators were Roman Catholic, and half of them were Protestants. What what kind of compromise you think they made in the translating room? A whole bunch of them. The King James Bible is not the inspired Word of God. The Textus Receptus is the inspired Word of God. And we got that. You want to get a Textus Receptus? You can order one. That's the Greek text. It'll have... Huh? It'll have the... It'll have the uh, English on the top line and the Greek right under it. This is one I've had for 30... Five years, probably. It'll have the Greek right here on the top line. I don't even trust this English. I have to go into it and study it and see if they're right. And I found out the translators were wrong in a whole bunch of things. When the Bible says at the end, the last verse of the last verse of the sixth chapter of Revelation the Bible say that it says uh, the great day of his wrath is come. It doesn't say that. It says the, hey, feminine gender, great, megalay, feminine gender, day, hema, feminine gender, wrath, or gay, feminine gender, of wrath is come and then it says who shall be able to stand i'm sorry that's not god's wrath is come that's the wrath of man this orge is going and i was going to check on the internet and see i see if i could find out how many people have been shot by shooters this past year they're shooting people every day that's the orge of man well, if I can't have my success, I'll just kill everybody that I can while I'm going leaving out of here. That's the orge of man. They're mad because they've been a failure. And this is going to get worse and worse. Evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse the closer we get to the end. This is not going to stop. You can't fix this by saying, let's get gun control. You think gun control is the problem? No, it's man control. It's his mind. That's what's wrong. You think there's an old saying, if you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns. And that's true. They know where to get them. Yeah, they've got they've got drugs outlawed. Do they get those? You get plenty of drugs. Oh, yeah. We're, we need to get over our old gay, our rage, our anger, just snapping at each other just because. You don't need to talk to me that way. Just disagreeing about everything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and for truth. Lord, I pray you'll fight our battles. We don't have any business fighting them. 
And we can't. We never do win. Fight our battles. Lead us to your elect. Lord, if the non-elect get angry at us, Lord, give us an attitude. Just walk away saying this is the will of God. Help us, God, to do your will and your work. Help us to repent and get a hold of our own selves, our own minds. We'll praise you for everything. We'll thank you for everything you're doing, including the evil. We praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. What are you doing? Huh? You what? I was asking you, can I race? Yeah, you can. You want to race? Go ahead. What you doing there, little girl? You doing okay? Yeah. Well, did your heart get convicted? I hope. Page out of notes. I didn't have enough room to take off. You did what? I didn't have enough room on my page. Yeah, you didn't. No. Were you trying to write it all down? Yeah. Well, thank you. Do y'all want some gum? Is that what you're waiting for? All right, hold on. Hold on. What kind do y'all want? Juicy fruit, please. You want the juicy fruit? Okay. I ain't going to stab nobody. I'm just quoting this, okay? How you doing, my friend? Pretty good. How you doing? Doing good. Doing all right? Yeah, doing okay. How's Mary? Oh, she's not doing good at all. Her blood pressure just was going through the roof last night. Oh, that's tough. My daughter's got it, too. And she, well, she, we, she's under then. treatment to a specialist at Vanderbilt. Hey, Tony. Jimmy. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, no, no, none of this now, brother. <laughs> How you doing? It's good to see you. Man, good to see you. Man, it's been way too long. Yeah. Well, come on back and join us. Where do you live? I live in Dayton, Tennessee. Dayton. Where's that? It's about 45 minutes northeast of Chattanooga. Oh, you live over, you live a long way off. You live quite a way from here. Yeah. What, uh, what are you doing over here? Um, we had a nephew that got married last night. Oh, well, I'm glad so you we, came. So we came up for the wedding. You know we're on the Internet. 24 hours a day we're on the Internet. Graceandtruth.net. Dot net, okay. Uh, take a couple of those DVDs. They're for the taking. Take these. Take one of them. And my website is on the bottom of it. I got about 1,500 messages on the website. We got 
as of this morning, 3,788 messages on the Internet. We're trying to put them all on the Internet. Come here and get this. We found a, uh, a really good Reformed church. Really? About 20 minutes from us. The, and uh, uh, do they, they finding find people who, uh, who preach the truth of sovereign grace, I mean, it's that's hard to do. Kinda, kind of kind of hard to find, but um, yeah. fortunately we, we found one. It is hard to find. It's hard to... I teach a lot of things that upset even them. I teach that baptism is not water. It's blood. And... I go into what the water was about. It's about the halakha. Uh, it's a long story. Jesus wasn't baptized in water because the Bible commands it. He didn't tell us to go into all the world and teach and preach baptizing. Is that for me? Oh, it must be mine. I, I go into that, and it's a long, long story. But I... Well, if there's a way, I'll I'll try to. If there's a way of being able to reference that in any of your messages on, I, I reference it. I reference it so in depth. If I'm teaching on baptism, it takes me about 20 weeks, and I go into everything. That there was a proselyte process. The, the Pharisees said that if you were, if you wanted to come to Israel and become a member of the kingdom of God, which is a term for Israel. You had to be circumcised. You had to be washed in water that they called a new birth. And you had to offer two turtle doves. Well, Jesus, it was in the law to, to circumcise and, and to offer two turtle doves. The mother had to do that after 40 days of quarantine. And the only thing Jesus, the Pharisees put this in their halakha, their verbal law. It's called a tradition in the New Testament. But they put it in there so that, and Jesus tells John, let's fulfill all righteousness. Let's fulfill the righteousness of the Pharisees. They kept calling him a Samaritan. They considered Samaria, northern Israel, just totally pagan, especially Nazareth. They said it was a filthy place. So Jesus said, if I'm baptized in water, according to their halakha, they will have to listen to me. So John says in John, the first chapter, uh, therefore, I'm come baptizing in water that Christ might be made manifest to Israel. That's the only reason. He doesn't tell us to be dipped in water. Baptized. Mr. Girdlestone tells us, he says, that, that uh, the translators didn't know what to do with the word baptized. Because in the Greek, baptizo is an infinitive. It's a noun, but it's verbal in character. They didn't know what to do with it, so they anglicized the word, took it over to the English, and they turned it into a verb in English. It was a noun in the Greek. It was a verbal noun in character. It comes from bapto, meaning to cover, to cover, and with a stain or die. And the stain or die has to come from an outer source. That's blood. 